You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you're looking for any type of batteries, whether it's for your truck, your car, your trail cameras, your rangefinder, stop into a local Interstate Batteries retail location. There are thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States. Talk with a battery specialist and get the batteries that you need to go on with your life. Interstate Batteries outrageously dependable. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up ladies and gentlemen and all you whitetail perverts out there. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and uh, I know that gun season is coming in to a lot of states. I know a lot of people are frustrated who haven't had the ability to locate a, a big mature buck yet, but do not sleep on the second half of November. I'm telling you right now, some of the best encounters that I've ever had have come after this peak breeding time frame, which is the like, so it's only been six days since peak breeding. And I will tell you this, there are still does that are coming into heat or have not even come into heat yet, right? Um, the guys in the south, this, you know, it's hard to talk about you because your rut is so different from the rest of the, the Midwest and even North America that um, you guys aren't even into some of your pre-rut activities yet right you still probably got a week or two for that so i'm talking to the the northern midwest you know the the standard november rut guys here uh when i tell you that do not sleep on the second half of november and uh today's podcast goes into all the reasonings why i say that so uh be make sure you guys are being safe out there make sure you guys don't give up you know, everybody, everybody really puts a lot of attention to that November 1st to November 7th time frame, And that's awesome because you're going to see a lot of deer. You're going to see a lot of rutting activity. The rutting activity after November 14th, 15th time frame is going to slow down, but you're going to, I say, if you keep at it, you're going to run into some big mature bucks. Um, if you have big mature bucks on your property, that is. So uh, I talk about all that in today's episode. But before we get into the episode, let's see here. I got to do a commercial. Today is November 20th and we got Ozonics. Dude, <laughs> you won't believe it when I tell you, but Ozonics is probably the one of the, one of the reasons. I'm not going to say it's the only reason, but one of the reasons 
why I shot the buck that I shot this year. Whenever I've made it kind of a habit to keep the Ozonix unit running while I walk to where I'm going to set up my tree stand. And this was a run and gun hunt on November 7th, walking to my tree and the wind's blowing right into where I eventually shot this, this buck. And he, <laughs> he was raking a tree and I noticed that. So I stepped behind a tree and I slipped my backpack off and I had my Ozonix running right in my in my pack it's running my wind is blowing i'm not joking it's blowing right at him and i'm on the ground slip my backpack off turn up my uh or grab my release put it on grab my bow get an arrow knocked draw step out from behind the tree and his nose is in the air sniffing around like i smell something what is that i don't know what it is uh, what is that right and i think it was a combination of me and the ozonics and I think it delayed him long enough to me getting an arrow in him and eventually killing him. And you guys have to make that determination on your own if you think I'm some kind of bullshitter or if you haven't had an, uh, an experience with ozone yet. But I'm telling man, I love, I love this product. I have seen nothing but good success. I've had nothing but good encounters with deer in it. You, you get yourself in the right position and these deer will hit that downwind of you. If they come downwind of you, they will hit that and they will, they will put their nose up. What is that? Nah, it ain't dangerous. I'm going to keep going. And that right there is how you position yourself to kill whatever deer you want to kill, right? Whether it was doe, young bucks, whatever. So... Uh, huge fan of Ozonix. You want, if you want to find out more information about Ozonix, visit ozonixhunting.com. And if you order a unit, you get a free dry wash bag uh, with the purchase of one of their units. And you can enter the discount code NFC19 and you'll get a free dry wash bag. So uh, take that into consideration with Christmas and Black Friday coming up. Other than that, guys keep at it keep grinding it's gonna happen make sure you're following along on nine finger chronicles uh, uh instagram and facebook page make sure you're subscribed to the nine finger chronicles podcast in the sportsman's nation network all that good stuff tons of great content guys uh, i wouldn't lie to you good luck to all of you keep out there grinding and uh man let's get into today's episode of me talking <laughs> all right everybody hopefully everybody is having a a good rut. Now, the title of this podcast is is like it's not over yet or something like that. And it's not. And I'll tell you why. Uh, if you look at some of the statistics uh, that's been put out by research, peak breeding is November 14th or somewhere a day or two in either direction. But November 14th is when uh, I think a study was done when most does get bred in North America. Uh, this is interesting to me, and it always and I, and I and I think that what we've all as as hunters we spend a lot of time in the stands and we get to witness um, you know witness this this thing we call the rut where deer go crazy for a couple weeks and uh, and we get to witness that and we get to hunt it's our favorite time of year we get to see a lot of deer we get to see things that we've we typically don't see we get to see some unique deer behavior and uh, it's just one of those things that we really love now 
I think most of you will agree with me. Uh, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But the the first side of peak breeding, let's just say late October to November 14th, is that crazy time of year where there's deer running all over the place. You know, every deer is horned up. Every deer's got a lot of energy. And uh, that is what, you know, the storybook rut hunts are about is when a, a hot doe comes through and she is followed by, you know, a big old buck or or she is followed by about four forkhorns or 10 forkhorns or whatever, right? But then... We have the second half of the rut. And I'll be completely honest. I think people overlook November 14th to the end of November or to this Thanksgiving time uh, frame. And it is because we as hunters get so excited for that craziness that we take off our use our vacation time in that time frame. Right. We want to we want to be out there when the woods goes crazy and we can catch all these does moving all around. Well, the way I look at that is it is easy for a big mature buck who is dominant to find a doe at that time frame. Right. So he's less apt to calling. You have to catch him in this perfect time frame when when he is off of a off his first doe and going into a second doe. Right. Let's try to rattle him in or grunt him in or call him in. And if he's on a doe already or he's seeking really hard for that doe, then he's he doesn't give a shit about a fight. All he wants to do is breed this doe. And if there's a three-year-old or a two-year-old or whatever on this doe, it's nothing for a mature doe to come in and just bristle up, take a sideways step at these deer, and they're gone, right? He just, he just won that fight because of his dominance. And I think a lot of people overlook the second half because all of these does are starting to get bred, which means that if a buck wants to continue to breed and find one of these last does, he's got to be on the move looking all day long, right? And I think that, I'll be honest, if I was only limited to one week out of the year, it would probably be, it would probably be the second maybe even the third week of November to hunt. I would probably pass up the first week of November with the goal of connecting with a big mature buck. And uh, I just, I, I don't know. I, I get excited about this time of year and it makes me wish I had a landowner's tag because I would love to be out in the timber this time of year when, you know, I have a lot of friends who are still out in the woods and they're they're starting to talk to me about the, the zombie deer, right? These big mature bucks who have been continually seeking for another doe most of the does are bred um, by this point I shouldn't say most of them but I would say 70% of does are probably bred by this point and all these deer are looking for the the last remaining doe and I have a, a note here it says November 24th 2015 that that date really stuck in my head five years ago I was in between a I was in between, I was in a terrain feature in between the back end of a staging area and there was this terrain feature and then on the other ridge was a like this really thick point where they were would bed so they'd cross down into this little gully, this terrain feature, hop up into the staging and come, you know, head out to the main ag. So I was hunting, it was a morning hunt 
and it was one of those mornings where it was frost on the ground, a real hard frost. So it was no wind, really hard getting in, you know, really crunchy getting into the tree stand. And I set up and at first light, I start to hear some movement coming my way and it's a lone doe works her way through. And she was followed by almost every single buck on the farm. I mean, from four corns to 122 year olds to three year olds, four year olds. And I ended up, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I I took a bad shot on a on a, like a 170 class, <laughs> a 170 class four or five year old. He was a giant, and I hit him in the back strap. Uh, that's a story from a different time. But what I'm getting at is. There, if you can still find the the doe that is, you know, she hasn't been bred yet or she comes into heat late, every buck in the area who is not already on a doe will be following her. And even even as in, in 2011, I had another example where I had a, a lone doe come in, come through after November 14th, and she was followed by four four-year-olds and a five-year-old and then 30 minutes later a 160 class 10 came in and i mean it was crazy it was crazy and that's when that's when these big mature bucks get dumb right they all they they'll they'll run through a, a front yard they'll run across the median of a road right this is where you hear the stories of these bucks just not even thinking all they wanted. They're so hyper-focused on that last doe that they will do anything to get her. And, um, if we can find those areas, find where these deer are, uh, and find that, that last remaining group of does. I mean, if you're still hunting, do not give up yet because I'm telling you it can happen any time, any time. And, uh, so the, the remainder of what I'm going to say here is one of these things where, um, if I was still hunting, here's what I would be doing, right? So um, as these does get bred and they start to go back to this this bed to food pattern, you're going to start seeing these does, you know, on their belly most of the day, right? They, they probably won't be coming out to a food plot or a... Um, or an ag field until last light. I mean, they're going back to this early season pattern. Um, unless, you know, you, you're, you can find a real comfortable doe group that's on their feet. Maybe it's, it starts to get really cold out so far in November. I feel like it's cool now, but we've had a kind of a real moderate, a really calm November thus far as compared to last year where, man, we had negative 12 walking into the tree stand some mornings with a high of 10, right? It hasn't been like that this year for uh, for Iowa anyway, and most of the northern uh, Midwest. But but as they start to go back to this uh, bed to food pattern, these bucks start cruising more. And I don't typically, and this is just my experience, and and I say this all the time. My experience doesn't mean that it's necessarily law, but one thing that I've kind of noticed over the years is that. I'm I'm still not seeing deer on the field edge even in the afternoon right they, you may have a, a 30 minutes of light left 40 minutes of light left that pulls a big buck in but where you're going to see them later in the morning maybe even midday if you're an all day sitter or early in the afternoon is somewhere between their bedding and the staging areas before they they head out to their their main ag and um and they're going to start making these big loops. They may go away for a day. They may come back. 
for you know a couple days and then they'll head out and this is where some of these bucks and i like to call them bonus bucks right it's a buck you've never seen before but he's he's a a big mature deer that comes onto your farm out of nowhere and you catch him on trail cam you're like holy shit or you see him from the tree stand you're like man what what where did he come from i've never seen him before and uh those bonus bucks are really cool to see and it is because they're searching real hard for that last remaining doe now um let's see here this is where we have to get outside of our comfort zone right if you're the kind of guy who's been hunting the same tree stand all rut or hunting the same farm all rut or hunting the same area the whole rut and things are starting to slow down well i hate to say it you got to start moving around right you got to start looking for those doe groups that haven't been bred or the doe group that is um or the last doe that hasn't been bred and try to get into these places where these deer are, these bucks are looking for that last doe. And, um, one thing that I I've kind of found throughout the years is you got to look in some of these overlooked areas. And I, I know I've mentioned this on the last episode that I did, but these little slivers of timber along waterways, right? Really thick overgrown, cattle pastures that have these little pockets in them um maybe some standing ag like a cornfield that didn't get picked all the way um maybe a a buffer strip a really thick buffer strip where you know pressure of the surrounding farms has led these deer to kind of get pushed into these other areas and these bucks are finding them at night and then all of a sudden it's like oh my god there he is he's you know there's this giant buck in this you know picked bean field but he's he's betting on a terrace with a doe right he might be hard to get to but you know look look for some of these overlooked spots um another one that i really like in the past and is um that i've seen a lot is these abandoned farms right the farm itself is still has cattle on it or it gets um uh what uh it has standing crops or it maybe has, has like a hog confinement on it and it's getting worked, but the house has been, the, the house is left. You know, it's just a, an abandoned farm, has a garage, has a whatever, a couple silos in it, but the trees are all overgrown. You have this maybe acre or two acres of real thick, nasty, uh, nastiness that uh, is, is overlooked. And trust me when I say deer go away from pressure and they if they feel comfortable bedding up next to an old swing set or an old grain silo that is out of commission or a house that is out of commission i remember in 2007 8 it was either 2007 and 2008 uh, a farmer and his wife got into a huge argument they weren't doing so well they got a divorce and this was several years ago like uh 2000 and like 2000 or whatever and this was a farm that me and my stepdad used to hunt and so they one night this is no shit they one night got up (laughs) and they left and what i mean they left they left dinner on the table they left clothes in the closets they left tvs shoes everything they both got up and left locked the door behind them and they had a house that that someone just left they both just left and went and you know the rest of their lives they did their own thing and i had a ladder stand on a pine tree where i could see into the upstairs window 
and I missed a 160 class buck that his antler bumped my tree stand as he's coming through this pine grove that was overgrown right behind their house. And, uh, and I, I ended up missing him, but, uh, uh, look for those areas, right? Because just because I know there's a building there, doesn't mean that deer won't hang out there. So, uh, overlooked areas, what's another one that might be a, a good, uh, uh, cemeteries, man. Uh, a pocket of trees behind a cemetery uh, right off the road. Uh, I saw me and my wife saw a really good eight pointer on the way into town the other day, one morning. And I'm going to guess him as a three-year-old, but he, he had a doe cornered up in this pocket right behind someone's backyard. Uh, so I think, I, I think you guys get what I'm, I'm trying to uh, trying to say here. Now, another thing that I've, I've noticed over the years is as the doe start getting bred, it's not going to be a shit ton of sign, but what we have here is another time where the bucks start laying fresh sign again. So they, as they're starting to seek out these, the, these does, they're going to stop to lay some sign. And mostly it comes in the form of scrapes, but they do, they do rub a little bit this time of year too. However, um, if you can find some of this fresh sign, a fresh scrape, it might be worth hunting because they might, what they're doing is at some time throughout that day, whether you have trail camera data or not of it, um, they, they start to go back into a cycle where they're working in, uh, uh, this cycle. Okay. He drops down a draw. He loops a field, comes back up the draw. He goes down into this uh, drainage or swamp, and then he comes, checks this cornfield. And he, you know, they're starting to do this all day long now again. And they may bed down for a little bit, get a drink of water, munch on something, then they're back up and they do it again, right? This is where we start seeing those zombie deer that I talked about. And, and if you can find some fresh sign, that means that, Hey, a deer has been there and it might be worth sitting over for a day or two right until this deer funnels back into his you know circle again and you know if he finds a doe he he might not be back for a while but if he doesn't find a doe he may run that circuit again until he finds something that he's looking for and it may it may take a day or two because just like those bonus bucks coming on to your property the deer that call your property home will leave and go search out other places as well. So, you know, and I know I sound like a, a, a broken record here, but a, a good terrain feature, a good bedding area, a good staging area. I mean, if you're a field edge hunter, great. Standing crops, great. But for me, downwind of bedding every single time. Get in tight to bedding, you know. Get in tight to a, a really good terrain feature that has good access that funnels deer down, right? Pinch points. Get into a staging area that deer feel comfortable in before they head out to that destination food source. Um, those are my top three, and I even have here destination food source as my last resort. If you can't find any other pockets, you know that would be the last place that I that I hunt now. Um. Deer have stopped going crazy, right? I mean, I remember it was like November 3rd or 4th or something like that. I shot my deer on November 7th this year. Hell, it may even been on my birthday, the 5th. But I remember saying, what the hell, I'm going to blind rattle. And four two-year-olds came in to investigate. One of them may have been a three-year-old. 
And, and after this, this peak breeding, that just doesn't happen anymore. I mean, you may get the occasional young deer to come in to investigate, but I would, I would stop rattling. I would stop blind calling uh, at, at, unless you see these deer. And even if you do see a deer, watch their body language. What is this deer doing? Is he just got his head down cruising? Then maybe a grunt would work. But if you just, especially if some of these deer have been going at it hard, fighting, seeking hard, a, a good rattling sequence just might spook them. And then they're like, what, what just happened? I was in a daze. Now I'm not, I don't feel comfortable going over there. And most of the time they come downwind anyway, and they'll try to investigate and they, that increases the chance of busting you. Now, however, if you see their body language change and they are, um, they're aggressive, they're raking a tree, they're making a scrape and they just look pissed or they look like they're, they got some energy in them. Then is when I might start with a, a grunt you know, progress into maybe a, a, a short rattling sequence or even a snort wheeze if that buck looks aggressive and try to get him to come in to investigate like, oh, man, what's this other buck doing in my area? Well, I'm going to go check it out. Um, another thing that might work is if, and, and one thing that I've noticed this year is does are really good at putting the slip on bucks that they don't want to breed with. I watched a, I watched a, hmm, three-year-old 125 I guess you would say just make laps in this bedding area this year and there was another hot doe in there and she didn't want to breed him uh, for some reason and she or she wasn't ready yet and he she bounces she bounced down in a crick he bounced down as a crick he walks back up it's almost like she backtracked him and started following him and then he ran up and he went crazy and he's he couldn't find her and so he she tucked back into right where she was at and then he made a loop and eventually he found her again, but it was like 10 minutes later. And then about mm, 20 minutes later, a four-year-old like a one thirty class four-year-old came in and bumped that buck out of the way. And he started chasing that, that deer, that doe. And she almost, she almost was like, okay, well you're due. And her tail started wagging and uh, he started dogging her a little bit. Then they went into the brush, and I, you know, I, I couldn't see what happened. But you know, dominance is still is still a huge thing right now. So body language when it comes to calling, just make sure you observe it. I wouldn't necessarily call um, blindly, but uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Now, uh, get in tight to bedding, get in tight to funnels, get in tight to pinch points, staging areas, destination food sources if that's your bag. Um, and that's really it, guys. I I, I want to say that it's not over. The rut is not over. Uh, we still have, you know, this period where does, if they haven't been bred, will come back into heat. And they'll cycle again. And that puts, that just drags the rut on just a little bit longer. Uh, other than that, that November 24th time frame, I can re- remember a early December hunt right before shotgun season where I saw a hot doe, she must have cycled back in because she she didn't get bred or the pregnancy didn't take. And I, the woods were going crazy. They were going crazy. And uh, and a lot of, I saw a lot of bucks that day coming in, trying to locate her, and uh, it was awesome. So 
there, there's that. I think uh, you guys get my drift on what I'm trying to uh, say on this episode. So thank you guys very much. Good luck to you, right? Do me a favor. And I, I say this in the kindest way possible. Do not get lazy, right? Especially if you've been hunting hard. And it's easy to do because I'm still guilty of it every single year where you're like, dang, man, I've done the same thing. And I'll be honest with you, watching Instagram, here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing people try to take the easy way to do things. Oh, I'm going to put a decoy in and rattle them. I'm going to sit in this tree stand that I hung in July. I'm going to continue to wait and wait for them to come to me. And what do you hear me say every single time? You got to go make some moves. You got to go to them. Because sitting in the same place every single time and wishing something will happen, right? There's a, I did this in a, in an Instagram uh, story a while ago. Uh, I don't know what the movie was. It's about the old, the old grandpas and the guy, the old grandpa goes, man, you can wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one gets filled up first. And you can relate that to deer hunting because you can sit in the same spot. It might be what you think is a good spot because you had one big deer come through there, you know, five years ago and it may be good, but if they're not coming through this year, things change every year, guys, you need to make, you need to adapt. You need to learn. You need to move and go find something that is, that looks better than the scenario that you're at. And I know for you East coast guys or high pressured state guys, you, you might be limited to some of the property that you have access to. And that sucks. That sucks. But if you're going to throw a curveball, now is the time to throw a curveball at the deer. Not uh, not next week, right now. Because we still have some rut left. So you still might be able to get away with a mistake. Or uh, let's just say you missed a deer. Well, go find him. Right? You didn't wound him. Go find him. Let's say you bumped a deer. Well, that means he's in the area. Start start playing that strategy game in your head again. And, and get things uh, where they need to be. And go kill this bastard (laughs) so uh that's all i gotta say good luck to everybody Uh, uh, the last thing i do want to say is as the rut starts to wind down and we we are all starting to get tired the shotgun seasons and the gun seasons are either here or they're coming just be safe right don't make these mental mistakes that cost you take a couple deep breaths have a cup of coffee get back in the woods be smart about everything make sure your equipment is still fine-tuned and uh, get after there and get the job done good luck to you guys and we will talk to you next time and there you have it guys a huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day to give this a listen I, i really do think that if you keep at it and you keep going don't give up because you will get it done if you try hard. Uh, I, you got to get the time in the woods. You got to put yourself in the right position. And then it just becomes a matter of time until a deer that you want to shoot walks by. Right? So there's that huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. We have the Average Conservationist, our title sponsor, Vortex Optics, Ozonics, Wasp, Lone Wolf, portable tree stands and that's it so uh huge shout out to those guys please go out and support the companies that support this podcast and good luck be safe wear a safety harness and we'll talk to you next time